Welcome to North Coast Church, and thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast as we continue in our series on the book of John, Life or Death. Pastor Damien Easter, our young adults pastor at North Coast Church, has an amazing message in store for you today. We encourage you, utilize our North Coast Church app to be able to utilize our notes, fill out a connection card, and also put in a prayer request. Without further ado, let's go to today's message. Hallelujah. What's going on, North Coast family? Yep, I am back, ready to rock and roll with you. For those of you that don't know, I am Damien, and I have the privilege of serving as the Jordan Young Adults Pastor here at North Coast on our Vista campus. We serve 18 to 25-year-olds every Thursday at 7.30, and the invitation remains. If you're 18 to 25, come through, hang out. If you feel 18 and 25 on any any given Sunday, come through and hang out. Hallelujah. I also have the privilege of serving as the venue pastor at the edge on Sundays. So um, if you see me at the edge, give a brother a hug and, and just say hi. Hallelujah. Man, okay. We about to get into the word of God. We are in our series, Life or Death, through the book of John. And I'm excited for where we are today. Um, Just so you can get ready, we are going to be in John chapter 5, looking at verses 31 through 47. But before we get there, I want you to imagine one of the best courtroom scenes, maybe in the history of movies, A Few Good Men. Come on, you know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, go ahead and Google it. YouTube this scene. We have a young Tom Cruise and we have a younger Jackal, Jack, Nick, Jackal Nicholson. Nope, Jack Nicholson. And they are going at each other. Come on, you know the scene. Tom Cruise is in his military garb ready and he's persecuting or prosecuting Jack Nicholson. And he says, we want the truth. He says, we are entitled to the truth. Did you order the code red? Did you order the code red? And the judge is like, you don't have to answer that. And Jack Nicholson's like, I'll answer it. I'll answer it. And he says, do you want answer? Tom Cruise like, we want answers. He says, do you want answers? We want answers. We want the truth. And Jack Nicholson says that classic line, you can handle the truth. Mic drop. Okay, and here's what I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that a few good men, that scene right there was inspired by a real good savior. Okay, okay, that's probably not true. But my goodness, where we are in scripture, it's a very similar circumstance. Where we are in scripture, we have Jesus. And Jesus has just made some claims about himself. Jesus has walked onto the scene. He's healing people on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, what they are doing is they are trying to get Jesus. They are trying to persecute him. They are trying to get to a place where they have the opportunity to put Jesus in jail. And so you have the Pharisees and they're, they're like, did he pick up his, his mat on the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, oh yeah, he yeah, healed him. He needs to be healed. Well, why is he picking up his mat on the Sabbath? Who do you think you are? I'm Jesus. I'm the son. Who do you think you are? I'm Jesus. I'm the son. Tell us the truth. We deserve the truth. And Jesus says, you can't handle the truth. They couldn't handle the truth. Oh, the Pharisees couldn't handle 
the truth of who Jesus really was because they had an idea of who they thought he should be. And when it didn't line up, they couldn't handle the truth. Oh, and so we're going to look at some of the claims that Jesus made. Then we're going to look at the witnesses that Jesus called to his defense. And it all starts right here in John chapter 5, verse 31. Grab your Bibles, get your popcorn ready, because it's about to go down. Let me pray for us as we dive in. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Will you have your way? I thank you that every person here is on here for purpose, on purpose. So Lord, will you bless us? Will you speak to our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, John 5, starting at verse 31, it says this. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. Now, this in some of your Bibles is going to be all red because this is Jesus saying all of this right here. Jesus is just talking right here. Verse 33, he says, you have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have a testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you for you do not believe the one he sent. Oh, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Verse 41, he says, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the father. And I love this. I love moments where Jesus kind of has a little bit of just a, a little bit of an arrogant, like where he's like, but don't think that I'm going to accuse you before the father. He says, but don't think that. He says, your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Ah, uh, so you see, Jesus is going in right now, y'all. Jesus is going in and he is going in on the religious teachers at the time. Now, now here's what I'm super excited about. Will you nerd out with me for just a few moments here? There's something that Jesus does that is so interesting in the way he speaks and the way he talks, especially where his divinity is concerned. Now it starts off with this word. It's, it's a word that you may be very fond of and you've heard it. Um, if you've been at church for any type of a time, you've heard it before. And it's this word word, a man. It's this word, a man. And so this word, a man, it, it usually comes after uh, like a prayer. So Lord bless this food in Jesus name. 
Amen. And what amen simply means is amen simply means I agree with the statement that was just made or amen or I I second that I agree with what was just said. Amen. Lord bless the food. Amen. And so usually amen is an affirming thing. Usually amen comes after a sentence or after a prayer and then you tack on your amen. I love Jesus y'all because Jesus, he would a man himself before he gave a statement. So he'd be like, amen, I'm the son of God. Amen. Amen. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So he amens himself before he makes a statement. And, 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 and I want us to start right there because you may have recognized this in your time of reading the Bible as a truly, truly, or a very truly. And that's our first blank. Because we have to start there because Jesus says some audacious things, some things that do not make sense, that sound absolutely crazy. And he hits them with a truly, truly, and truly, truly is an expression of absolute trust and confidence. Now, let me show you how I grew up because I grew up, you know, I remember old St. Andrew's Baptist Church. And now here's how I I had to learn the King James version of things, y'all. I know the these, the thous, the those, thou artist, the goddess of all, right? I had to learn all of it. So here's how I know this truly, truly, this truly, truly, I know it as this. Verily, verily. Verily, verily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Look at somebody around you just say verily, verily. Mm-hmm. Yep. I call it a double verily. I like to, I like to say sometimes you got to hit them with the double verily. And this is what Jesus does. He hits us with a truly, truly or a double verily when he is speaking, especially when he's speaking about his divinity. And here's what that simply means. It, it, it means like he's, he's not just saying, believe me, this is true. He's actually saying, what I am about to say to you, I know is true because I have firsthand knowledge of how true this is. So verily, verily, I'm saying unto you, I know what I'm saying is true because I have firsthand knowledge of it. And I love this because whenever you see a truly, truly, or a verily, verily, he's not saying this is my opinion on truth. He is saying that this is true because I actually have firsthand knowledge about it. I'm not, I put it like this. He has intimate, personal, firsthand knowledge. When you see a verily, verily, or a truly, truly, or a very truly in the NIV, Jesus is saying something that he has firsthand intimate knowledge of. And here's what's crazy. Usually a verily, verily is preceded, like like right after that, a verily, verily is something crazy, he says. He's like, verily, verily, to be to, 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 to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. And you're like, what in the world be born again? To enter the kingdom, I have to be born again. And so what he's saying is, what I am about to say to you, it may seem outlandishing, but it is a truth that is worthy of your trust and confidence. 
It is a truth that is worthy of your trust and confidence. And that's what Jesus is going and claiming. That's what he's telling everyone. He's saying, I have truth that sounds crazy. It may not make sense to you, but the truth, verily, verily, I tell you, the truth that I am going to give you, as crazy as it sounds, it is worth trusting and it is worth your confidence. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, or very truly, I say unto you. And Jesus says this, and I love it because when, when, when he's saying a verily, verily, or a truly, truly, or a very truly, when he's saying those things, there's an, there's an air of verily, verily, I say unto you, to, be, to enter the kingdom, you have to be born again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the, the way that I, I am the son of God. Like, like, like he, it's just a, 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 like a confidence. And I love seeing Jesus like that. And I mean, I want to encourage you to start just amening yourself before you say things. Just amen. I'm a good dad. Amen. You know, just, just amen, amen, amen. He hits us with a double verily. It's an expression that talks about absolute trust and confidence. It may not make sense, but it is worth all of your trust. It is worth all of your confidence. And we are going to see that in the things that Jesus says. So what do you and I need to know about Jesus? The things that Jesus claimed was this. Jesus claimed that life, judgment, and resurrection was in his hands. He claimed that life, judgment, and resurrection was in his hands. Life, judgment, and resurrection are in his hands. So Jesus says, life is in my hands. He says, judgment, ultimate truth, all truth is in my hands. Resurrection is in my hands. Now, if you are a Jewish person and you're hearing somebody make these type of claims, you immediately connect the dot that they are equating themselves to God. They are equaling themselves to God. So what Jesus is doing is he is basically, he's saying, I am God. God and the father and I are one. Verily, verily, the father and I are one. Now that seems crazy that life, all life is in, in my hand. It seems crazy that all judgment is in my hand. It seems crazy that all resurrection is in my hand, but you need to know and understand Pharisees. You need to get this, that, that, that. I am telling you who I am and I am God. I am the son of God. I have been sent by the father to do some things. And so Jesus, he comes out and he immediately is equating himself with God and he's letting it be known. And so this is the scene that we have. This is the scene where we have the, 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 the Pharisees trying to put Jesus on trial in the court of public opinion. See, this isn't the actual trial where that will result in him being crucified. No, they, they're trying to trap Jesus so that they can get grounds to, to get him to that trial. That's what they're doing right now. And I love Jesus because he stands there and he says, this is who I am. This is who I am. But here's what's so cool about our Savior. Our savior knew the word back then. He knew what he was talking about. He knew the Jewish laws. He knew what he, he knew it inside and out. And so what Jesus knew was if he's going to make these types of claims, if he's going to say these things, he has to have two or more witnesses to back that up. 
He has to have two or more witnesses. Because in these times, everybody's coming out of the woodworks. I'm the Messiah. The Messiah is me. I'm the Savior. They're coming from everywhere claiming that they are the Messiah that everyone has been waiting on. This Messiah, the Messiah, he comes knowing that he has to have at least two or more witnesses. He has to have at least two or more witnesses. So he says life is in his hand. Judgment's in his hand. Resurrection is in his hand. And then he says, let me call to the stand my witnesses. Let me call my witnesses. So Jesus claimed that John the Baptist was his witness. Jesus claimed that the signs that he used, that he did, was the witness. The father was the witness and Moses was his witness. And we see this in John, in, in John 5, 33. He says, you have, sent, you have sent to John and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. So he says, John the Baptist was sent as a witness unto me to tell you who I am. And I love the language that Jesus uses here. He says, John is a lamp. John wasn't the light. John was a lamp that put the light on display. Come on. John was a lamp stand that put the light, Jesus, on display. So John the Baptist was one of Jesus's witnesses. And then the signs, Jesus says, the signs that I do. These are the things, and we've been talking about this throughout this book study, y'all. The signs are not an end in and of themselves. The signs point to Jesus. The signs point to the way. The signs point to the truth. The signs point to the life. The signs point to Jesus. And so often we find ourselves grasping for signs when, the, when, when we're not supposed to hold on. And I love how, how, how Chris just, just walked us through some of that last week. We're, we're not supposed, the miracle is awesome. Keep believing and praying for that miracle. But understand the greatest miracle is relationship with Jesus. The signs, y'all. The signs pointed to who Jesus really was. And if that wasn't enough, the father himself, it says, Jesus said, and the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen him, nor does his word dwell in you for you. Do not believe the one he sent. And Jesus is saying this to the religious leaders at the time because they won't recognize that the father has given Jesus all of his marching orders. Jesus even says himself, I don't do anything that the father doesn't tell me to do. I don't say anything that the father doesn't have me to say. And the signs, the, the miracles that are happening are pointing to who I am. So the, John the Baptist, the signs, the father, and then Moses. Moses. Moses was one of the witnesses. And this is such an interesting call. Jesus, Jesus is just awesome, y'all. He knows what he's doing. He's such a savage savior. Okay, that's, I like that. He's a savage. Because, because Jesus is like, you've put all of your hope in Moses. You've put all of your hope in Moses. And if you really knew about Moses, then you would really know that what Moses is simply doing is trying to let you know that I am on the way. 
He's trying to point you to me and he says, but do you think, and this is where he comes in, but do you think I will accuse you before the father? Your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes rest. If you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Oh, Jesus is saying Moses is a witness. He's saying, Moses, you've placed all of your hope in him. And if you really, like, like, like if you really knew him and believed what he believed, then you would know that I am the one that he's been talking about this whole time. So Jesus claimed that all life was in his hand, all judgment and truth is in his hand, all resurrection is in his hand. So he is equating himself with God the Father, but he knows he has to get a witness. He knows he has to have two or more witnesses. So he, he calls on John the Baptist as my first witness, the signs as my second witness, the, the, the Father as my third witness, and your guy, home court, your man in whom all your hopes lie, Moses, my fourth witness. And I just want to say this before you all, like we, we, I just want to make this statement to you. Jesus is in fact guilty. And that's our next fill in. Jesus is guilty, y'all. He is guilty. Jesus is guilty of being who he said he was. Jesus is guilty of being the son of God. Jesus is guilty of being love incarnate. Jesus is guilty of being the son of God that, have, that has come to this earth. Jesus is guilty of loving you. Jesus is guilty of everything that the Pharisees are saying. Jesus is life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And I think for the next few moments... I just want to ask you this question. Can I get a witness? Come on. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness as to who Jesus is in your life? Can I get a witness as to who Jesus has been in your life? Can I get a witness? And that is where we are going to be headed and landing today. We are going to be landing on that question. Can I get a witness? Now, now I remember back in the day as a little kid on the, on the pew, just falling asleep. Cause look, you know, church went a long time and I was tired. I was tired, but there was testimony services, y'all testimony service where people are like, this is what God has done to me. God has done this in my life. When I was in the streets and doing this, the Lord blessed me and did this and this. Can I get a witness? Is there someone who will testify to how good God has been? Is there somebody that'll hit the world with a double verily, with a truly, truly and say, what I'm about to tell you may seem crazy, but this is how good my God has been. This is what my God has done. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Because Jesus is guilty for dying for all of our sins. Jesus is guilty for freely going to the cross. Jesus is guilty because when no one loved me, Jesus loved me. So can I get a witness as to how good our God is? Those, that's your amen opportunity right there, y'all. That's your amen opportunity right there. My question is, can I get a witness? 
Because that leads to this. What do you and I do with Jesus? We, we, we now know some things about Jesus. We know what he claimed. We know that the witnesses that he called. Now, what do you and I do about those things? You and I, we have to decide if I'm going to be a witness. That's why I asked you the question, can I get a witness? We have to decide, am I going to be a witness? Am I going to be a witness? So, so one more time, can I get a witness? Amen. Tap it in the chat. Amen. Can I get a witness? What does it mean to be a witness? A witness simply means proof of God. It means proof of God. Proof that God has done something, proof that God is real, proof, proof of God. That's what, a, that's simply what a witness is. How can God get proof that he exists, that he's real, that he's alive in your life? And here's what I know. When you tell people about what God has done or when, when you just step back and take an inventory of what God has done, because my goodness, just as I'm studying through this and, and looking at God, how can I be a witness? And, and, and what does that look like? And, 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 and I've forgotten so many ways that the Lord has shown up in my life. When it looked like there was nothing that could happen, God showed up and made a way. And can I tell you the flip side of that coin? When there, there's also moments where he didn't show up in the way that I thought he would. He didn't show up in the way that I thought he would, but I can stand as a witness and declare before when I thought he should have showed up in the way I thought he should have showed up. He didn't show up in that way, but he showed up in a way that only he can. He showed up in a way that showed that he was with me the whole time. He showed up in a way that, 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 that helped me relinquish my own understanding because I'm a, can I be safe space? Can I, can I be real with y'all? I have a tendency to lean on my own understanding so often when it comes to the things of God, my own gifts, my own talents, my own skills, my own abilities, my own experience. I have a tendency to, to lean on those things where God is concerned. And I love it because the miracle is relationship with Jesus. I love it because the miracle is God is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. Why is that so important? Because of the claims that he makes. All life is in his hands. All life is in his hands. All truth and judgment is in his hands. Resurrection is in his hands. And he even talks about the people dead in the grave. They're going to rise up. And can I just tell you, I don't understand it. Is it going to be the walking dead? I, I don't know. I don't understand it. But he it, it, verily, verily, I say unto you, it's a truth that I don't understand, but it's worthy of my trust and my confidence. And I just want to tell somebody, Jesus, 
Jesus is, there's moments where it will seem outlandishing. Your faith will seem outlandishing. Your faith will seem like maybe it's letting me down. Maybe it's not all that it's cracked up to be. There will be those moments, but I want to hit you with a double verily or a double truly and just tell you as hard as it seems, Jesus is a truth that is worth your trust and your confidence. Can I get a witness? Amen. He is, he is a truth that is worthy of your trust and your confidence. Can I get a witness? Now, what might a witness do? Because sometimes you think a witness is you take the big Bible and you just start smacking people over the head with it. Get saved, fool. Jesus is Lord. Come to the kingdom. No, that's not what it is to be a witness. One of the things that a witness does is a witness waits. A witness waits. Oh, Isaiah 40, 31, it says this. It says, but those who wait upon the Lord get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. A witness waits on the Lord. But can I encourage you as you wait on the Lord, don't wait on the version of the Lord that you think should show up. Wait on the version of the Lord that we see in the scriptures. The Lord that says, I am faithful to complete the work that I started in you. The Lord that says, the word that says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. The word that says, I, I, I am for you. And if I am for you, who can be against you? The word that also says, the, the, the waiting on the Lord, and the word that also says, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. A, 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 a witness waits, a witness waits on the Lord because a witness knows that when I am weak, my Lord gives me strength. When I'm struggling, my Lord is there with me. He takes care of me. He has my back. He renews my strength and I mount up on wings like eagles. A witness waits, a witness waits. So, 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 so keep waiting, amen? Keep waiting, keep waiting on the Lord and allow the Lord to renew your strength. A witness searches the written word to encounter the living God. Ah, if you, and, and that, that, that's what Jesus was holding against the Pharisees. That's what he was holding against them. You all search the scriptures because you think in them you have everlasting life. Now, Jesus is not saying you're wrong for looking at the scriptures for everlasting life. He's saying you miss it if you look at the scriptures for, to give you everlasting life and you miss me. Everlasting life. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So a witness Huh, can I get a witness? A witness searches the written word to encounter the living word. They search the written word to encounter the living word. You see, our study of scripture is not an intellectual just thing that we do. It's not for us to just 
enhance our intellectual acumen about the about God and and understand just an intellectual thing. It's not that. It can it it can be a part of our Christianity and our faith. We have to learn things about God. It's it's great to know theology, but to know all of that and to miss Jesus is to miss everything. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it all points to me. It all points to me. And I love the scriptures because the scriptures are so honest. The scriptures are so honest. The scriptures are so honest about what it means to be a witness. And write this down if you take notes again. A witness can grow weary. A witness can grow weary. Oh, a witness can grow weary while waiting. John the Baptist was waiting for Jesus. He was waiting. He was one of Jesus's hype men. He was, the, the scriptures say he was, he, he paved the way for Jesus to come in. But G, John the Baptist has a moment where he's in prison and he's like, whoa, what's happening? Are you who you say you are? Are you who I thought you were or should I look for someone else? Can I tell you a witness can grow weary and that's okay. It's okay believer for you to get weary in your witness. It's okay for you to get weary where you are in your faith. Why? Because your God does not get weary. Weariness shows that you're human, but we serve a God who says, don't grow weary in well-doing in Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in doing good for at a proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. I love that because it's honest. It's honest about our propensity to grow weary. The word is, and then the word warns us and says, but don't, don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in, in, in seeking wisdom and getting understanding and knowledge. Don't grow weary for in, a, in due season, you will reap a harvest. And the last thing that a witness does is worships. <sighs> a witness worships. A witness can grow weary, but a witness worships. And it's funny because I call myself a five seat worshiper now. What do I mean? I mean, when I'm worshiping, I need five seats to the left, five seats to the right, because I may run. I'm going, my hands are going to be up. I might do some in, in worship jumping jacks. I might do an in worship this. I might, something's going to happen in worship with me because I just love to worship the Lord. But it wasn't always that way. I remember being in high school and believe it or not, I was a judgmental high school teenager. Mm -hmm. And I would sit in church and I would look at people lifting their hands for Jesus. And I'm like, oh, and there was this one gentleman. He would literally run around the church and he was an older gentleman. So he would just run around the church, run around the church. And then he'd lift up his hands, run around the church, lift up his hands. And I, I remember looking at him like, does this dude know that I can see him? Like, does he... He looks crazy. And, but there was something I envied in that guy. I was like, how is he do? Like, he don't care what anyone says about him. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. He's just worshiping the Lord. And I was like, wow. And so I remember having this, the, these growth moments in my faith where I would want to lift my hands, but I wouldn't. I'd be like, mm -mm, I ain't lifting my hands. Even though I felt like, oh, I want to so bad. I'm like, mm -mm, not doing it, not doing it. And then like the next week, it would be like, if somebody lift, okay, I'm gonna wait for, I'm gonna wait for three people to lift their hands. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, now I can do it. Now I can do it. Or I wanted to stand up during worship. And it was like, ah, oh, I don't want to stand up. Okay, I'll wait for four people to stand up. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, now I can stand up. 
I mean, I, re- I remember now it's just like, look, let's just go. Because, because I've been a witness of all that God has done and he's done so much. But I love this. I love it because there is a book in our Bible called the Book of Lamentations. And it's a book that's so honest about our walk of faith. Because there are so many opportunities and reason to give them praise, but my goodness, it's hard at times. My goodness, sometimes it's so hard to worship and, 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 and we can't, can I, can, I, can I encourage us in this? Ah, we can't connect our worship with good moments, our worship of God with simply good moments or good situations or circumstances. Our worship has to be connected with our relationship with God with the goodness of our God, with clearly seeing, having eyes to see who our God is and how he has shown himself faithful to who he says he is in our lives. So our worship can't be connected to the good things that happen in our lives. Our worship has to be connected to the good God who is very present in our lives because when that is our connection to worship, then we can give what I call a sacrifice of praise. I only call it that because I got it from the Bible, amen? I got it from the Bible. What the Bible calls a sacrifice of praise. And so often you'll see the Psalms and, and in the Psalms, there is moments where it's like, Everybody around me is doing great. My enemies are prospering. My my, my health is depleting. This is going on. This is going on. God, where are you? And then you see the the psalmists come to a place where their eyes are taken off of the circumstances or their surroundings and their eyes are fixed on their God and they say, but, I'll worship you, but I'll give you praise, but I will still be a witness. So it's moments as a witness for you to worship, you might still have to give a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? It means you don't feel like praising him. You don't want to praise him. You look around him. Ain't nothing around you but reasons to not give him praise. I don't want to worship him. I don't want to give him praise. But I will because I'll hit it with a double verily. The worship that is about to come out of my mouth is, is, is hard to believe that I can give God worship. But, but my goodness, I'm, I, I, he Jesus is a truth that's worth all of my trust and all of my confidence. So because he is who he is, he is guilty of being who he's claimed to be throughout scripture. He is guilty of being faithful. He is guilty of being a very present help in the time of trouble. He is guilty of working all things for the good. He is guilty of taking upon himself all of our sins because of that truth and who he is, I'll give him a sacrifice of praise. Can I encourage you like worship as a witness? It doesn't have to look like, woo, yeah, come on, let's go. It doesn't have to look like that. Worship as a witness can look like you using your gifts to serve the Lord. It can look like you sacrificially giving to church to serve the Lord. It could look like you just simply obeying the Lord and letting your life 
be a lamp to display the light that is Jesus. That is a witness. That is what a witness can look like. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? And you may be sitting there and you're like, I can't be a witness. I I can't be a witness. Can I encourage you to go get a witness? Mm -hmm. I was ready for you. Go get a witness. And what do I mean by go get a witness? I mean, life group signups are this week. Mm-hmm. And life groups is a bunch of witnesses. It, we sit around tables in homes and we just tell about how good our God has been. So if you can't be a witness, go get a witness and sign up for a life group. And then you need to know this. And this is the last thing. You already are a witness. You already are a witness. You already are a witness. Now go and tell the world what you've witnessed God do. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we are witnesses. We are witnesses of your goodness. We are witnesses of your healing. We are witnesses of your grace, your love, your mercy. We are witnesses, God. And I pray for everyone that's watching this, for everyone that is praying this prayer right now, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would empower us from the inside out to be your witness, that when people look at our lives, that they would see your love on display. When people look at maybe brokenness in us, that they would see that a broken vessel can still shine the light that is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Can I get a witness? Jesus, you have one in me. You have one in us. Have your way in and through our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love you. Thank you, family, for tuning in. Get on Life Groups. Sign up. Easter at North Coast is going down. God bless you, fam. Wow. There are some amazing insights that Damien gave us today. Hopefully you're challenged and inspired to be able to live a life for Jesus in a greater way. We look forward to having you back next week.